guys. Welcome to this week's podcast episode. I've got a really fantastic guest for you today, John Chan, and he's an entrepreneur with a passion for user experience design, and he's CEO and co-founder, and we're going to talk about SaaS, e-commerce. He's also competed in Olympic Taekwondo, which we also share, and we're going to talk about teamwork and business, and I'm really happy to have him on the show and, um, and showcase his brand. So, John, welcome. Chris, thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, I know it's a small world. We know that we have Zoom and the internet and we have Podmatch. So kind of talk about, set the stage for your story and background and we'll dive right into it. For sure. Thank you. So um, I start off by saying that I, I come from a, a an immigrant background. So I moved to Canada when I was six. Um, I grew up here and uh, and my entrepreneurial journey started when I dropped out of school at 19. At the time, I was a bit of an accident. Um, I was disenchanted with school. I didn't notice at the time, but it turns out as an adult, I had ADHD. Um, so I was kind of sort of bored at school. But uh, during that time, I, I read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it sent me this direction of thinking about minding my own business and thinking uh-huh. through, you know, what is it that I really want? And at the time, perhaps naively so, I wanted to retire before I was 30. And that was kind of the thought process. And so I started off by thinking about what kind of skills I had in high school, which was building websites. And I started uh-huh. freelancing at 19. And it kind of sent me on this path of um, being a user researcher and user experience designer um, to running my own consultancy, doing conversion rate optimizations for different brands and businesses, um, all the way to you know fast forward to nowadays, I run a growth marketing agency with my wife where we help e-commerce and software businesses with uh, running their paid social and paid search campaigns to grow and help them generate new sales. Um, yeah, I'll pause there, but that's kind of like the background. Started off with marketing and design, then got into software and transitioned to marketing. Yeah, and I love that. I think some of the best um, skill sets to have are able to create websites and and then also like social media marketing and now coding um, these are all, you know, fantastic skills to have because, you know, m- most people don't know how to do that. So they come to you. And so, um, you know, what's, what's interesting is this, um, idea of, cause you integrate, um, user experience design, talk about how that, that skill and that interest led you to work for companies like UBC Basecamp, and then ultimately on your own. For sure. Um, it all started with just recognizing that the things that I was building back then when I was building websites, that there were people behind the scenes. And a lot of the progression from in, in my career, from going from designing to writing software to marketing, it all it was all figuring out what the next phase of the skill set that was missing was. And so when I first started building websites, um, it wasn't long before it dawned upon me that, oh, if I'm making a change on the site, it impacts somebody on the other side. Um, and so... Uh, my first job was working with UBC. It was a, it's, it's one of the uh, one of the largest, uh, most uh, prominent universities in Canada, where I was working as a as a developer. Um, but it 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 was one incident was kind of interesting. Where um, I remember I was answering phone calls, helping with system support, like, like system and tech support, and somebody was asking for a password change. And I and I noticed that on the web page that the reason why they called that particular number was because it was an error message that showed up. And that one department that I worked with was in support of 11 different branches, whereas, um, and it was, we were always inundated with the calls. And so when I noticed that was the message that, that showed up, I, I changed the, the number to a different department where it was basically had more support um, and it basically helped impact the, the, the stress levels of that particular group. 
Um, and so it just kind of like incrementally making me realize that, oh, if I studied the process and the path that people took, um, I could have more lasting impacts and changes. And so it went from, you know, working at the university to eventually recognizing how I can help them support with increasing donors, increasing their, and being more clear about their mission to working for uh, for-profit companies and recognizing that if I made the same type of user experience changes and improvements um, that had the real impact to their bottom lines. And that's when I started exploring different softwares and different companies, partly because that was my interest at the time. I was looking at a lot of different designers and, and where the well-known designers are. And Basecamp at the time was one of the, uh, a very prominent software company. They're um, the inventors behind the Ruby on Rails uh, software movement um, and also just a general uh, idea of running business remotely. And so I, I, had a, I was lucky to be able to, to work with them, uh, learn under the wings and see how they operated. Um, and that was sort of, all came from figuring out the next problem incrementally from the skills that I had at the time. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. And, uh, you know, kind of uh, at the end, I want to talk about how, um, you know, all these skill set shaped your entrepreneurial journey and and your agency 2x growth agency it specializes helping e-commerce and dtc brand that's direct to consumer brands grow so what what unique strategies uh, do you employ to manage such a large ad spend effectively and drive significant revenue for your clients for sure so Nowadays, when we do marketing, we always think about marketing as sales at scale. And so the, the precursor to any effective or successful marketing campaigns always boils down to having a, a fantastic and strong product. And so whenever we're having those discussions, and it, it kind of came from the user experience research skills, where I was interviewing it and monitoring and seeing the gap between how a company presents itself versus how uh, end consumers or end users perceive what the company is about. And so marketing campaigns nowadays often uh, you know, it boils down to us studying and understanding what the real reasons are for what people, what motivates people to buying a particular product or service. And we see that from customer reviews. We see that from competing reviews. We see that from looking at um, the search experience or a social experience that someone would have from looking at how do they go about finding and, and buying products and then seeing how our product for a particular brand or company that we're working with fits into that mix. And then in our ad creatives or ad copy, we would just highlight those things um, where they otherwise would have overlooked it or forgot about it, right? And so um, a small example would be, you know, for example, a lot of the, the work we do today is um, producing and creating uh, thumb-stopping ad creatives. And, uh, you know, if someone's seeing on, you know, their Instagram feed or on their social feeds um, and they're introduced to a product for the first time, we basically think about what experience uh, a successful customer would have had yeah. from int being introduced to the product, reading the landing page, buying a product, receiving it and successfully consuming and being happy with the result. And we just capture that experience in video form and we present that in an ad so people can future pace in their head what the experience would be had they bought from them. And so a large part of it is just spreading that message. And again, goes back to kind of the original point of why marketing is sales at scale, right? It's about yeah. seeing how someone would have been sold in, in a, at a micro level so that we can, we can scale that on a macro level. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, like I said, um, you know, it's all about scaling. Um, and then the other the other question is um, so kind of entrepreneurial wise, you have you have a, you've had some ch challenges. You know, it's like entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. And and in your experience, what are kind of the most common challenges 
entrepreneurs face in the digital space and how can they address them? Hmm. There's a lot of different things why business will not work, right? And so I think, you know, for my own journey, I think um, from the different businesses that I've had to the ones that are that worked really well versus the ones that have not, I think I think of the few conditions that lead to success. And, um, you know, for, for a while, it took me a long time to learn this one aspect about my skill set and, my, and myself. And it made me realize that when I look at other founders and entrepreneurs, I see that sometimes um, they have a lot of blind spots in the same way that I had, which really boils down to a lot of us have unique strength and skill sets and weaknesses that we otherwise would not have recognized. But if you go back to your childhood, if you look back at your, you know, your, your journey of growing up, the conditions that led you to pick certain choices or certain paths, they're really signs for what you're really good at. And a lot of part of running a business is recognizing how could you apply the things that are uniquely skills that, that you've developed that make you unique and that you're really good at and just yeah. keep focusing on those and applying that in a work environment and then finding partners or hires to bridge all the gaps that see the condition of a successful business. A lot of it really comes down to that now. And so even um, as I think about why we run an agency today, a large part of it comes down to recognizing that we weren't as good as building a product from zero to one from how to start from nothing from uh -huh. compared to taking a company or a business that have existing sales and metrics or data from going from one to 10. And so when you recognize that's your skill set and that your strength, then just focusing on taking companies from one to 10 um, is much better. So rather than, for example, in their future version of our business, rather than starting new brands or starting new companies, we think uh -huh. we're much better off acquiring or buying businesses to grow. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And kind of, uh, it kind of uh, resonates with your journey because, um, you know, you realized, um, you know, for a long time, it kind of school system like holds you back because it's like, I find that the school system holds a lot of people back that are either very um, advanced or they or very entrepreneurial. And it's kind of like once you find that you can go to from um, instead of going from zero to one, as you said, you know, going from one to 10 and, you know, kind of doing your thing, you accelerate so much faster. This is quite interesting, and it's like advice for e-commerce businesses. And if you, for those looking to scale, what key pieces of advice would you offer, especially especially in terms of digital marketing and creative development? Yeah, I think for e-commerce brands specifically, I think a large part of um their their growth really boils down to. Um, being really good with distribution. So a lot of founders start because they're really good with product, right? They find a sort of niche or an angle or a product because of their personal history. And so they develop a, 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 a very effective and, and wonderful product. But usually distribution is sometimes where, at least for the brands that we meet with and, and the fact that they're hiring or working agency, boils on to uh, having a skill gap. And so with any type of hires, and it, it, it's not necessarily restricted to marketing, it's usually really important to have a, a really strong foundational understanding of the field that you're about to hire in. And so whether if it's you know hiring accountants or lawyers, it helps to have a certain skill sets around so that you know what to ask and you know how to evaluate the, the companies that you hire. And so for you know brands that talk to us specifically, it usually helps when they have a baseline understanding of what the conditions are for what makes uh, great marketing great. And so then that way they can really see why the things that we do are effective or why our approach makes sense. Um, whereas sometimes I think brands can sometimes feel like they get burned by agencies because, oh, the expert said so, and they don't really have a good skill or way to evaluate that. And it's not really their fault per se, but it's also the responsibility because as the business owner, you have to own that part of it. And so when you see brands that are very effective in distribution, it's because they understand the field that they hire really well. Yeah.
it's a very very insightful piece of advice um kind of moving on to like the future of digital marketing because you know kind of this year digital marketing's changed so much with um chat gpt and ai and kind of in your opinion what is the future of digital marketing and user experience design and how should businesses prepare for these changes how is um your agency helping entrepreneurs um position themselves at the forefront of this trend 100%. So the thing to remember is to focus on the things that don't change, right? So consumer behaviors haven't changed. And so even there's the advent of AI or the advent of platform changes, people still buy online for the same reasons that bought three years ago or four years ago. And so what, it, what tools like AI has really changed and developed is the operational processes in the way that we create that information. And so um, in, in, the, in our field specifically, a lot of the, the work that used to be handled but, and managed by um, by junior copywriters or in, even intermediate copywriters, for example, uh, has not gone away because the production capacity and the production speed for oh. tools like ChatGPT or you know replace any sort of AI tool has got has, has leveled the bar very quickly. And so the skill set for the creators, what used to be the creators, like at least, um, is on the burden of being good editors. So that if ChatGPT comes up with five different um, suggestions, it's up to you to know how to evaluate which one's more effective and which one's uh, more appropriate for a particular situation or context. You can give it all the background and context, but you're, but if you look at, let's say, for example, the recent release of ChatGPT's feature sets, it's GPTs, which is a lot about the context information that ChatGPT is not able to develop or able to supply. So you have to bring your own domain expertise into it. And so that's why that, at least in the near term, has not changed. Um, so going back, remember that consumer behavior has not changed. So all the things that used to work and the, and the, say, for example, the principles of direct response marketing, that hasn't changed. People still respond to persuasion and sales in the way that they used to, but adapting to tools and methodologies and knowing how that impacts your business and the way that it reduces costs is very important. It's very paramount and to adapt to applying and changing uh, the way that you approach the work that you do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's like, it's kind of like, um, you know, these are just tools and you have to kind of learn how to use them in certain contexts. So it's like up to us to utilize these. They say that ChatGP is not going to take your job. It's um, the person that knows how to use all of these tools and put it together. That's going to Absolutely. And we're still fairly early right now. And I think the best analogy you can think about is how big the internet had the impact on a lot of brick and mortar businesses. Brick and mortar businesses are still here today, but they're fundamentally changed with the introduction of the internet. And AI is here to stay. There's a lot of trends and, and I would say even fads that come and go. Um, but, you know, you look at crypto, you look at whatever else. It's, it's um, There are a lot of things that come and go, but this is one of those things that has legitimate um, usage to, to, to our environment. It impacts across industries. And so it's really important for business owners to face this head on, adopt the different tools, but also get really good at it, right? It's like there's, there are people that are good with the internet and there's people that were not. And you can see a massive shift in the way that um, the world has capitalized on it. And a lot of wealth was created and we're about to see that happen AI. It kind of it reminds me of um like when when COVID happened, uh, you know, all the restaurants shut down, and then the the restaurants that use like Uber Eats or DoorDash and kind of to go and then they had like um outdoor seating. Those were those were ones that were th thriving. And you look at the restaurant business today, it's like you know if you don't offer these you know to go or pick up or deliver, your 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 SOL. All these other businesses you know, have the scale of reach of the the internet to get clients. So. 
hundred percent. And it goes back to what you're asking earlier about what it really comes down to being an entrepreneur. It's about dealing with the changes that, you know, because like you're dealing with things that break down every day. There's always a new problem that you're addressing and facing with and having that kind of like resilience to stomach that and also being able to chart and navigate that and also having a good mix of, you know, reasoning and your gut instinct of how to navigate those uncertainties, I think is a mark of a really excellent entrepreneur. And, and the people that I look up to, the people that I respect often have are really good at making decisions in the face of uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. You also have a significant interest in real estate. And I'm just, I'm curious, like, how are you using real estate? Is it more just like kind of create passive income to because you're obviously doing well with your agencies you know a lot of people look to real estate to kind of fire their job but it sounds like you're not is it more just like alternative streams of income to preserve your wealth um kind of talk about you know balancing this with your entrepreneurship 100 and so it got into it by accident so going back to my earlier sort of like introduction about um reading vishad portad one of the things that i was doing back then i was was uh, you know because like i was i was a young kid right i was i was 19 i didn't know a lot of people that uh, ran businesses and so i would go to networking events looking for people that sort of fit the profile of like the thing i was reading about so i could ask them questions and so i was lucky in that i met a a a friend and dear mentor of mine now where um he built a a large real estate portfolio back then he had maybe seven properties now he's at maybe like 20 million in assets felt like maybe two or three years ago so a lot more now Um, but it all started with this asking, having those interactions with him. And so the thing about mentorships and advice is that you can talk and ask about things all day long, but until you take and follow said advice is when you really sort of like fully understand it. And so I got into an accident by accident in the sense that, um, I was just asking him for advice about my finances. I was like, Hey, here's the thing, you know, here's my finances and here's what it looks like. What would you do? And he said, well, here's what I would do. Here's I would pay down off your debts. I would start saving up. And in the moment I have any type of money left over, I would go towards figuring out how to buy my first property. And so wow. we bought our first property together in 2011. Um, and we bought four more ever since um, through different means and different ways. Um, but nowadays, as I think about you know how I got into it versus how I think about it now and what I'm about to do for the next 10 years, um, yeah. is that I see uh, the, the businesses that I run is cash flow generating businesses. It's it's yeah. really important to have that. It also keeps my 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 skill set sharp in in you know being on the forefront of, of changes in technologies and what have you. But real estate is a very slow moving sort of like business, right? It's it's very operational heavy and focused. Yeah. Um, but the skills don't really change over time that much. And so um, I look at that as wealth preservation, exactly like you said, where there's a skill set and businesses that help generate wealth and a place to deploy it to. And so um, we did fairly well for real estate in, in the grand scheme of things for what we basically knew back then, which was not much. And so when we bought properties back then, it was mostly doing joint ventures and buying you know, properties to rent uh, both locally and abroad outside of our, so I'm in Canada, so I'm in Canada. So, you know, I live in Vancouver, but we're properties uh, in, in uh, extra-provincial provinces. And so nowadays, as we're getting back into the first 10-year cycle of, you know, the real estate boom and bust, now uh-huh. we're looking forward to the next 10 years of how to acquire larger and larger op- uh, properties. And so I think next time we go about this, rather than doing joint ventures, we're looking to raise a fund to um, acquire uh, multifamily units. And that's what we're probably going to do for the next 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating because, um, you know, even my, even a lot of my friends, uh, you know, like in the past, you know, you know, they were questioned, like, why do they get into real estate? You know, they have these high income jobs, but, you know, the younger generation understands that, you know, jobs are not going to always be there. So you have to have some way to 
preserve your wealth and you know kind of you know especially with inflation and, and taxes and debt and all of that and and, and kind of real estate is kind of a way to hedge um, and it's it's great and um and they say that real estate is a is a sure thing but it's a slow thing and it's kind of like you have to you know if you take care of the property you buy in a good location it most almost always appreciates but it's slow so kind of concluding which which is one interesting is you you were on the canadian national team in olympic taekwondo and um how has your experience in sports influenced your approach to business and leadership and and uh you know how does personal growth and development mean to you as an entrepreneur and athlete mm, I, I love that question because <laughs> i think i think about that a lot and then i don't realize how important that was until uh -huh. i got into whatever i'm doing like sort of like five or like years afterwards right yeah. um i think what athletics have taught me at the time and i was lucky because i was trained under an olympic coach um i tried to work towards being olympian never made it um, <laughs> ended up joining team canada for different occasions for different, different aspects of it i was on the world university team between uh, in 2007 and 2011 uh -huh. um, competed for team canada and also the world pumse in, in 2006 but the progression for um being in athletics have um especially in Canada, where there's not a lot of carded and professional athletes, you're doing it on a vocation. And it meant that when whenever you get into any field, I think it taught me the persistence of doing go, grinding through long periods of a stretch without seeing immediate results. And I think when you look at business, a large part of it is, you know, you, you have a lot of scenario situations where you just want to throw in the towel. And uh -huh. I think athletics could have like, um, forced me out of that and so it made me really deeply question what am i really doing it for and so and it kind of gave me a, a a way to internalize and look within on how to find out my own answers instead of looking around and see what i'm just doing what everyone else is doing and uh -huh. so it kind of gave me that sort of sense of direction i think that's what i looked a really large thing but the other piece that it taught me was that um, a mark of of entrepreneurship really comes down to you know talk, talk about you know the overnight success and then you, know, you see the meme of overnight success of like you know 10 years of absolute nothing and then like year 10 or year 11 you have like this huge spark and like growth right and yeah. so in, in athletics it kind of caught me the, the the similar thought where looking back i got put into taekwondo because my parents put me into martial arts right but i don't necessarily think that it was actually the best um sport for you know whether it's personality or skill sets or what have you i think the adhd well the psychological management part was kind of like particularly challenging for me uh -huh. but i didn't know about that for, from a performance perspective at the time but i stuck through it for so long that basically everybody else retired or i <laughs> I, I just just outworked everybody and it uh -huh. kind of gave me the sense that if you just did that in a lot of different fields you can get to the 95th percentile or the 10th percentile to be world-class even if you're not at the top percentage and i think that takes sort of level different level of the right conditions the right environment the right people and also the right sort of natural sort of conditions that make you a strong athlete and so uh -huh. even if you didn't have that by birth and you had everything else you could still outwork and get really far and I think the same could be said of business, where if you a lot of times it's just don't die, right? In your company, in your business, if you can find ways to survive and get through the next payroll or the next thing to get to the, next, to the other side, you yeah. see a lot of things play out that way. And that happened certainly with us in real estate. We had a lot of near-death experiences that happened with our agency and the business that I started with my wife. And we've also had our best years because we grounded through the tough parts. And I think athletics really drove that into my head. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I kind of just because like even like um like Neil Patel and um just like you see a lot of people they during pandemic and COVID, they started all these podcasts and YouTube channel and it exploded, but then they just quit and then kind of if you like slow and steady, it's like 
you know, you're already outpaced them. So, um, you know, really interesting. Um, if people want to find out more about you, check out your website, follow your social media, check out your agency, how can they do so? Sure. Um, so our agency is 2x.agency. So you can learn about us and uh, the, our services there. Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, it's Twitter. Well, Twitter X, whatever it is now, um, <laughs> but username is JTC Chan. You can, you can look up John Chan, which is just a lot of us. <laughs> you can always find me on LinkedIn, um, but I'm always happy to connect with other entrepreneurs. And uh, yeah, and, and I also want to go back to my initial thought of thanking you for, for doing what you do. Um, it goes back to why I respect the fact that what 600 episode in, because <laughs> it's easy to start something, but it's yeah. very hard to maintain and be consistent over time. So a lot of respect to you as well. Oh, thanks. Uh, I think it's also that uh, the athlete conditioning and the um, the training just kind of, I, I love your idea. You don't have to be world-class, but if you work, work, outwork everybody, you can be world-class. <laughs> no, 100%. If you look at business, you know, there's enough for everybody. There's, we live in a world of abundance, so you don't have to be the best in a particular field or set. You can be good enough and still do very well in, in, in your finance and circumstance and the people around you. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, for all the listeners out there listening, John, for coming on, be sure to follow him on all his socials. These will be in the links and the resources. And with that, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Chris. That was a great pleasure.